Welcome to Unity of Tucson. And I want to acknowledge the prayer chaplains in this community in this way, that I am constantly, constantly, constantly inspired by them. You know, the role, the role of a minister, if, you know, it's such a strange thing to say out loud, but the role of a minister is, you know, we're supposed to be inspiring. But the only way that we can be inspiring is if we are inspired ourselves. And so we're constantly welcoming inspiration into our lives. And I am grateful for all that our prayer chaplains bring to me in my life and the way that um, the prayer chaplains serve this community. So I, yes, I am constantly inspired by them. And I was inspired by what Deborah sent this week, um, the story of, uh, of the woman touching the hem of Jesus and being healed. And it is a story that is in all three of the synoptic gospels. If you wonder what that is, we can talk about it in a class setting. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic gospels, and that story appears in each and every one of them, told slightly differently in each one. But each and every one of them gets to the same point, that Jesus essentially says, it wasn't the activity that healed you, it was your faith that healed you. January, this month, we have taken on the theme of faith, one of the 12 powers, and we're exploring the 12 powers throughout the year. And faith is one of the, it's kind of elusive. You know, when I talked about it on the first week, you know, we talk about the Hebrews, um, the, the, the piece of Hebrews, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. It's an elusive thing. It's, it's, you know, faith is an idea, and you only know you have faith if you know you have faith. Think about it. But this idea that we are healed by our faith is rooted in and reflective of a basic, very basic tenet of our teaching. A very basic tenet of our teaching is this. Perfect God, it's gendered. I'm just going to give you a warning. (laughs) Perfect God, perfect man, perfect being. Man is inclusive of all in this context, so. Perfect God, let's say perfect humanity perfect being. And you know, I like to turn that around and say it like this. Perfect humanity being perfect God. Perfect God being perfect humanity. And the degree to which we begin to accept that as a point of faith in our lives, we open ourselves up, as the healing candle teaches us, we open ourselves up to the uncovering, the unfoldment of the divine essence at the core of all creation. And that is when we experience healing in the physical world. This entire philosophy is rooted in physical healing. Emma Curtis Hopkins very famously said she was the teacher, known as the teacher of teachers, because she taught all the great luminaries in the New Thought movement. She taught the Fillmores. She taught Myrtle, uh, uh, Melinda Kramer and Nona Brooks, and she taught Ernest Holmes, you know, who, these are the, these are the people who started the three major movements in this philosophy, unity and religious science and divine science. And she is very famously, uh, she very famously said, if our minds can redden our skin with just a thought, 
our minds can set a bone. I'm paraphrasing. But it can set a broken bone because that is the power of mind. She so firmly believed that and held that as a point of faith that she created what we would call, she experienced and, and, and offered what we would call miracles in the same way we look at Jesus, who was someone who expressed and did what we call miracles. But you know what? The thing about miracles is this. When we begin to understand the core of them for what they are, they're ordinary. And we should begin to think of them as ordinary. Perfect God, perfect man, perfect being, perfect man, being perfect God, perfect God, being perfect man. Humanity, sorry. This is the premise upon which all of our mental work is based. It is our acceptance of the construct that allows healing to be a reality in our experience. And this is what happened in that story with the woman. It had nothing to do with the man who was Jesus. It was her faith that healed her. Charles Fillmore wrote this, Faith opens the door of the mind to an inflow of this universal life force. And when she, the woman, and when she just in faith touched the hem of his garment, the negative condition of her system was stopped. How many of us are experiencing negative conditions? Uh, you don't have to, you don't, it's, it's a rhetorical question. <laughs> As I see people start raising their hand like, well, let me tell you, I'm feeling some negativity. The way to heal the negative conditions is not to try to coerce the world of form. It is to stand firm in faith. That's how we heal. That is how we heal. We all, each and every one of us, has this direct and individualized relationship to this thing called life, this life force energy, the universal life force, as he calls it. We are that very universal life force in form. And when we truly begin to deepen into this as a point of faith, then what actually is there to heal from? Because when we know this about ourselves, when we accept this about ourselves, and when we adopt this frame of mind, then everything in life flows forth from that frame of mind, and we find there is less and less in the world that we experience as negative. This thing called life is constantly expressing through us. And the challenge that we face is that we are the ones who muck it up. We are. If there's something negative in life, and this is going to be the hard thing. Now, now I'm, I have to clarify some language here. Because when I say what I'm about to say, what I am not saying is you are to blame. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we teach a fundamental premise that responsibility in our lives will heal. And that is not saying all the horrible things in my life I'm responsible for. No. It's saying irrespective of all that stuff, I know who I am in this moment. And when I know who I am, I can move forward from that point of view and be response-able. That is how I heal my experience of life. 
That's what responsibility is to me, to know who I am to such a degree, to forgive everything and to allow that inherent love only to flow forth. My entire experience of life shifts. I want to do a little experiment. Because we teach this universal life force. We teach God here, right? We teach God. We talk about God. God is a challenge for some people, less so for other people. But what I would like us all to do online, in the room, however you're connected right in this moment, close your eyes, allow yourself to relax, and try to imagine God. something likely came into your mind's eye. We speak of God in many ways. Universal life force, energy, spirit, infinite omnipresence. We speak about God in many ways. But in just this moment, whatever came to mind for you, irrespective of the way you've heard it spoken about, when you imagine God... Whatever comes to mind is right. It's right. What comes to mind to you is unique, and what a blessing that is. And everyone's unique idea of the essence of all that is, is also right. So we don't have to be in agreement about what God is or the way we imagine God, because it's all right. Because if we think that there is something separate, then we think that there is limitation. And if we learn nothing else, God is unlimited. God is infinite. And if God is infinite and we are part of all that is, we cannot be separate from it, that that means that is the core of who we are as well. So let's move away from any condemnation or judgment of other people's ideas of God and know that it is right for them and God is right for you. God is not a thing with defined edges. It's all things and it is also no thing at all, all at the same time. The challenge as I say so frequently, is that we try to put into language that which is beyond language. And so how do we know God? The way I know God is beyond an idea that I can come with visually in my mind. But when I say imagine God, what I move to is the feeling tone that is inherent. It's not just an intellectual exercise. It is deepening into an embodiment and a feeling space. So yes, the caveat is that the moment we consider an idea that we can call upon and say, that's God, we've limited our experience of the unlimited. And that sense of limitation is how we defeat ourselves and how we begin to think of things in terms of separation. And when we think of things in terms of separation, we can be drawn into the abyss of dis-ease. 
when we limit our concept of God and believe ourselves limited aspects of that limited God concept, we have diminished ourselves unnecessarily. When we diminish ourselves, there is no room for healing. So it doesn't matter if you touch the hem of the garment, you will not be healed if it is not your faith to be healed through your faith. You know, one of the ways that we do this too, that we diminish ourselves, is we narrowly define what it is that healing should look like. We narrowly define what it is that healing should look like. Unity is a healing and a teaching philosophy. And you know the thing about it being a healing and teaching philosophy is in many ways, and this, isn't, this is true of the entire New Thought movement, none of these major traditions in the New Thought movement were meant to be religions. They weren't meant to be religion. They were, not, you know, we, we really weren't meant to have churches. But there's a construct that was accepted, and so this is the way we operate now, in a way. Um, Religion is an agreement, you ready? Religion is an agreement about what God is. But spirituality is having a one-on-one relationship with and as God. That's what I believe. And so your practice is your practice. We do teach practice here. But your practice is your practice. And so if we're going to invite anything, I invite the consideration that as we change our minds about the limited God that we may have grown up with and expand the construct, we experience more healing in our lives in every aspect of our being. You know, I think unity and the New Thought movement exist for the sole purpose of creating a context for self-exploration to know each and every one of ourselves as the perfect expression of humanity being perfect God. So while we have a teaching and a construct, we do not require adherence. We don't require adherence to any of the principles. Now, I brought the members up here today, the new members, and one of the things we say is that you are choosing to live the principles of unity and exemplify them in your life. But that is a choice. It is not a requirement. But you are basically saying, as members of this community, if you are a member of this community, this is how I am choosing to live at this time in my life, right here and right now. And what a blessing It is to the degree that you accept it as a blessing. But I'm not going to be after you as like the spiritual police (laughs) chasing you down. You are not living the principles of unity. Can you imagine that? You know what's scary? I can't imagine that. (laughs) Have you ever been to a spiritual convention? There are ministers and there are people (laughs) like... There are people who will call other people out and they'll be like, oh, I'm a minister and I see that other minister. They're not acting in accordance with the principles. They have stepped off principle for just a moment. I'm like, well, who are you to say? (laughs) 
So let's please not police other people's journey. Let's not police other people's expression of spirit. Let us not police anyone. Let us be focused on ourselves and the way that we are choosing to live our lives with these principles in the way that we understand them too. And the great journey of understanding is that as we as we study, that's why it's a healing and a teaching philosophy, as we study, we deepen into the understanding of what these principles mean to us personally. What I found, what I have found, is that many, many, many people explore and they find their relationship with truth in different ways, and it's all fine with me. However you get there is fine with me. But when they do that, when people do that, they have opened themselves up to a greater healing identity, a greater healing capacity. But you get to decide what that looks like for you. It is an acceptance, I believe. Remember, I always said, I will tell you what I believe and I will offer what unity teaches, but you get to decide what you believe. I believe, personally, that this acceptance ultimately is the expression of being a light in the world. We are a light in this world. We, each and every one of us, are luminous. Jesus didn't say, you know what, one day, you might be the light of the world. (laughs) It's going to take suffering and hard work, but you could get there someday. He didn't say that. He said, you are a light in this world. Shine your light, shine your light, shine your light. But many of us live our lives like that. Oh, if I suffer and I work hard enough, I might get there someday. Stop the work and be. That's a place of faith, to shine your light. And it's a scary place to be because you know what? Everyone's going to have an opinion, Everyone is going to have an opinion. You want to talk about opinions, try being a minister. (laughs) Everyone has an opinion. And I hear them all. I hear them all. You may think you may be saying opinions to somebody over there. I end up hearing them. (laughs) And it's fine. You know why? Because I have adopted in my life a deep understanding. I know who I am. I know who I am. Do you know who you are? So let's stop worrying about other people and let's start focusing on shining the light ourselves. That's another path to healing in this world, to shine our light so brightly that other people's opinions don't matter anymore. So yeah, there is no more suffering. We don't need to live in suffering and hard work. Healing is the revealing, and it's easy to reveal our inherent nature. What it requires is for us to simply shed that which is in mind unlike that nature. It's revealing the greatness at the core of our being. We can decide to see this world and everyone in it as either needy and incomplete or as loving and whole and complete. Which do you believe is a more healing way of seeing. We are greatness on demand. That's my acronym for God, greatness on demand. Because God is not something out there. 
God is the life essence right here. That greatness on demand is a part of each and every one of us. It is who we are. It is our core identity. Perhaps consider today allowing that core identity to shine forth a little bit more brightly. We can't help actually being greatness on demand, but we sure do a good job of convincing ourselves otherwise. The constant commitment and practice of revealing this greatness on demand is how we live this healing presence. It's the way we think beyond the hem. There is no power in the hem. Their power is here in our place of faith. It's the way we think beyond the hem. It is the manner in which we experience a healed universe. It is the basis upon which all self-healing is assured. That's the message. Peace and blessings to you. You are magnificent. So I ask you a question today to lead into our homework assignment, and that is, what would you like healed in your life? Now, there's going to be different answers for everybody, but this work, this week, what I would like you to do is engage in the work diligently with tenacity to deepen into an understanding of what you would like to experience. Because we spend a lot of time thinking about what we don't want. I want you to look at what you do want this week, and I want you to let that be the focus of the week. What do you want, and why? Why do I say, why do you want it? Because that's going to invoke within you a feeling, and that's the thing to take a look at. What is the feeling that is invoked within you in asking, why is it I want what I want? If your mind moves to the focus of what you would like to eliminate, the work begins. Catch yourself in that moment and train yourself away from the thought of what you would like to eliminate. Don't beat yourself up, because that's defeating as well. Don't beat yourself up. But reflect in that moment. And you can even say to that thing, I see you. I see you. I talk to myself all the time like that, to all the negative thoughts. I go, I see you. I get it. I see you. I recognize you, but I choose in this moment to focus on something else. It's all a choice. That's the practice this week, to live in the choice of turning those negatives around and focusing on what it is you would like healed this week. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.